Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint, and with me today... Obadiah Smith Jr., Jim. Obadiah, how are you? I am blessed today, Jim. Now, I'm a bit older than you. Okay, I'm a lot older than you. <laughs> but both you and I grew up in a world where there was a lot of soul music on the radio. Yes, it was. And, of course, soul music is a big genre. I mean, I saved the cover of Time magazine that had Aretha Franklin on it, okay. just because I was a fan. <laughs> but you know what Aretha does is a little bit away from, let's say, what... Smokey Robinson, the Miracles do. I mean, it's just yes. kind of a little different cadence and stuff, but it's all under this big umbrella of soul music. But when we talk about soul music, we're talking about kind of a cultural, almost ethnic expression from the heart and soul. But fundamentally, it talked about music that moved us. Yes. I mean, I'm guessing that uh, you've been moved by a few tunes in your time. Oh, yes, but it was in my era with Michael Jackson and the Jackson oh. Fives, Motown. Oh, now we're talking Jackson Five. <laughs> Oh, just the the very naming of the Jackson 5 takes me back in time to some of those great, great tunes. Yes. I'll Be There. Do you remember yes. that one? Yes, I'll Be There. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, all of that connects to my head. Yes, it did, I Jill. mean, it's got words, I'll Be There. I can see the guy running yes. you know, to the girlfriend <laughs> or whatever. It connects so to my heart. Yes. You know, I can sing it. I can feel it. I can emote it. That's soul music. Yes, it, it is. It moves the soul. But for all the wonder of that music, which still lives... You know, there's a soul music that transcends even pop culture Yes, that has been around for millennia because any music that actually reaches into your soul, it doesn't bypass your head, but it includes more than your head and goes to your heart. That's soul music. And one of the greatest collections of soul music ever written is right in the Bible, in the middle of your Bible, the Psalms. This week, let's talk about Psalm 42. We don't know the tune, we don't know the melody to which it was originally written, but we've still got the lyrics, and I promise you, these lyrics are the stuff of the ages. No matter what your age, no matter what your language, no matter what your history or experience, I promise you, what we're going to talk about today is soul music, music that can move you. God is healer, 
Okay, Psalm 42. Yes, Jim. You know, sometimes we think that David, the great uh, Hebrew king, wrote all the Psalms, and he clearly wrote many of them. But we're not always sure just exactly which ones he wrote and which he didn't. So perhaps the most famous soul tune of all time, the 23rd Psalm. Yes, Jim. We think that's David's handiwork. But as you get farther into the Psalms, some of those lyrics have been written by different people. But the Psalms were collected as a sacred hymn book of soulful tunes and lyrics that have sustained God's people over the millennia. And when you get to Psalm 42, there's some vivid imagery. I mean, as you hear these lyrics, it really puts you right into a film set almost. You can see the guy who's writing it, and you can experience his life. Let's take the first few verses in Psalm 42. Obadiah, start us off down to verse 4, and then I'll pick it up from there. All right, Jim. Starting with verse 1. As the deer pants for the stream of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and stand before him? Day and night, I have only tears for food. While my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walk among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks. It was the sound of a great celebration. And picking up at verse 5, the lyric continues, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Whoa. As a deer thirsts, pants after the water, Lord, I am thirsty for you. Now, there's a lyric to remember. Yes, it is, Jim. And I got a question. Have you ever been thirsty? Have I ever been thirsty? Well, haven't we all? (laughs) Yes. And as a deer is thirsty, panting after the water, so I thirst for you, God. That's what our lyric says in Psalm 42, soul music for the ages. You know, Obadiah, I travel abroad a great deal. Yes. And, uh, you know, I have some weaknesses. All of us do. I have some flaws. One thing that I just love when I'm so thirsty is orange juice. I just love orange juice. I think I grew up with it. My mom always had some orange juice, I guess. But for me, just to guzzle some. Good thing I don't drink alcohol because I'd be a drunk. Because I can take a a jug of orange juice and without a breath, I can drink you under the table. That said, I'm traveling abroad. I'm in India, and I'll never forget a trip. I was for hours on the road in the outback. I'm in a cab alone. Nobody speaks English. It's hot. There's no air conditioning in the cab. We're driving across the plains of central India. It's getting dark. I am so thirsty. I wanted so desperately, so desperately to have a glass of orange juice. It's so preposterous. <laughs> okay. But, you know, I can remember so vividly how I became consumed yes. by my thirst. It didn't matter that there was dust in my eye or that I was uncomfortable or that my clothes were drenched with sweat. It didn't matter about my family. You know, after a few hours passed, I didn't care about anyone or anything. I would have probably sold my soul for just a glass of orange juice. As it happened, we got at last to a village where I was able to get a not chilled, but a liquid 
bollop up. You know, uh, when you're traveling in the developing world, carbonated beverages are always safe because carbonation kind of cures the beverage. So you have to worry about disease and so on. And I got a bottle of what was called Thumbs Up Cola. I was so thankful for that, even though it wasn't what I wanted, the orange juice. It carried me to the next stop. And what I'm just describing to you is I'm looking back on a story that shocks me because I got to the place I was reduced by my physical appetite to a place of losing all sense of moral compass. (laughs) That's how it felt because I was so thirsty. And our bodies are kind of wired to teach us spiritual lessons. We sometimes forget that. And this idea of thirst, the psalmist, this soul musician is, is connecting the dots for us. Just like a deer is longing for water. And I live in a place right now in Indiana where there are a lot of deer. And in this season of the year, they're, they're running across the cornfields and out of the woods and yes. they're searching for water. And you can see them leap and, and they'll congregate by Kilbuck Creek, not far from my house or whatever, just to let that water. And you see the power of their muscles and you see how massive these animals are. And all of that energy is focused on just getting to that place of water on yes. hot autumn days where it has not rained for weeks. Similarly, this guy is in a place in life where he is so desperate for water. Yes. That's what he's talking about. And why is he desperate? Oh, but I as you have listened to his words. I mean, his life is, is not happy. He's discouraged. And being discouraged, as you said, Jim, there's a thirst for something that can bring relief, and he's searching for it. You know, our thirst, our spiritual thirst, isn't usually triggered when everything in our material world is easy. Yes. You know what? When everything's going good for me, I've got good health, I've got a good job, I've got money in the bank, I've got friends, I've got a house, uh, I can click on my flat screen TV, I can get a glass of orange juice when I want to. You know what? I am not motivated in the same way. This is human nature uh, for God. Maybe that's why Jesus said it was harder for a rich person to get into the kingdom than a camel to go through an eye of a needle, however you interpret that that verse, that word picture he painted, sometimes people see it as a reference to a, a gate of the city of Jerusalem and how hard it was for camels to get through that, that needle gate. Sometimes people just literally see the eye of a needle, like you could imagine holding your hand and a camel going through it. It's preposterous. That it's harder for a rich person to get into the kingdom than it is for a camel to go through that eye of a needle. Maybe what Jesus was saying is, as long as you are materially secure, your thirst for God can be diminished. But that's not the case of this guy. Yes. I mean, whatever's going on in his world, we don't know why. It's a mess up. He's got enemies. He's got challenges. He has troubles. And in the midst of all those troubles, there's welling up a spiritual thirst. He's he's thirsty for God. And when you find life and its circumstances reducing you to a place of pure spiritual thirst, then in a healthy way, you're willing to just kind of let go of all the other baggage that, that gets in the way, that detours you, that distracts you. And the guy who's writing this soul music is describing just that. His life has come to a place where he's desperate, and he's desperate, and he knows that he can't have anything that will quench his heart cry. Nothing can fix his circumstances. No other force beyond God himself is going to be able to remedy and quench his thirst. Above all powers, above all 
kings above all nature and all created things above all wisdom and all the ways of man you were here before the world began
we think about being thirsty, Obadiah, can you think of a story in Jesus' life where maybe he's uh, talking to people who think they need water out of a well? Yes. <laughs> but okay. actually, he knows you, you need more than that, honey. John chapter 4, I believe, yeah. the woman at the well. And uh, he's in Samaria. Yes, he is. And uh, that's not his normal neighborhood. Right. And uh, it's a foreign culture and lots of stress between the people of the Jews, of which Jesus was one, and the Samaritans. And he's in the Samaritan countryside. He comes to a well, and he meets a woman famously there. Yes. She's come to get water. She's got a jug on her shoulder and uh, engages Jesus in a conversation. What does she want to talk about? She wants to talk about the things that are happening in her life. That's right. And uh, she wants to talk at a surface level, though. I mean, she's talking about, I need to get some water out of this well. And Jesus said, you know, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd be asking me for water. Well, who do you think you are? You think you've got better water than this well does? I mean, she, she's kind of on the surface. Jesus is talking about a spiritual thirst yes, that's inside of her. And she's just having a hard time admitting it. And we get down to the place where he even talks to her about her relationships. And yes. I mean, this having. woman... This woman's famous for what? Uh, adultery. Yeah, a, a few husbands in a <laughs> yes. row, kind of a, a serial philanderer. Maybe she was married many times, we don't know, but, but she certainly had relational challenges in her life because he talks about how she's living with a man now, and the clear implication of the text is a sexual partner who is not her husband. Yes. And she's had many husbands, other sexual partners yes. before this, and... And the reality is her life is, is a kind of chaotic mix of broken relationships and transient relationships. And the most powerful expression of human intimacy is for her been a cycle of, of failure, it would seem. And she's still talking about, you know what, I need some water in my jug. Well, yes, her body does need that, but he's saying, lady... There's something more here. Yes, and he even asked her the question or alluded to that whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever gets the water I have will never be thirsty again. See, your life is actually a heart cry for living water. In this narrative, as in other places, Jesus helps us connect the dots. He talks about himself as the bread of life. Honestly, isn't that what he talks about? Yes, he does. What is the emblem the most sacred emblem of our Lord's life and death, bread broken. This is my body broken for you. He's using our physical need for bread to teach us a lesson that you can't live by bread alone, but you have to live also by the food that God gives, the yes. word he gives. He also describes himself as living water. You can't just live by physical water you can't just have a glass of orange juice or a thumbs-up cola. It's not enough to sustain you over a lifetime. It's just temporary. But Jesus is himself living water. Jesus had clearly in his grasp, and he's sharing with us, just like the soul music of Psalm 42, that we all need to come to a place where whatever our circumstances, we all need to come to a place where maybe in a moment of desperation, we long for, we thirst for, like a deer panting after a spring of fresh water. We need God. And God is found most clearly in our desperate thirst. Yes. I don't know about you, Obadiah, but I've had some crisis moments in my life. We all do, Jim. And the moments where I just felt beside myself, like nothing I could offer was an answer for the crisis. 
oh, I could talk it through and I might have a, an appropriate word to speak, but I wasn't feeling it and I felt powerless in the midst of my loss or my challenge or the mountain I had to climb. And honestly, it's in those moments when I become so desperate that God becomes more clear. It's in those moments where my world is unraveled and I am acknowledging my powerlessness where my thirst for God then becomes so overpowering that nothing can dissuade me. No temptation can overtake me until I get that glass of fresh water that only Jesus can give. That's the soul music. That's what's in this song. And not only that, Jim, that thirst for God is universal. Everybody comes to a moment like that. Just like you said, Obadiah, we all have crises, don't we? Yes. And there's only one universal cup of water that can meet the need. You can't get it by getting a bigger bank account. You're not going to be able to have enough sex or eat enough spectacular meals or go on enough vacation trips or buy a new wardrobe enough to quench the thirst of your soul for what only God can give. His presence, his life, his spirit, his forgiveness, his grace, his purpose, and his equipping to do things that you by yourself could never do. His power for you to overcome the temptations that so easily ensnare us. You see... Only God and his living water, Jesus Christ the Lord, can actually meet that need. Wherever you are in life today, whatever your challenge, whatever your thirst, know this. God stands at the ready to help meet that thirst. And he can do it in a way that can change everything. How do you get there? How do you reach out and receive from his own hand a cup of that living water? Start by praying with us. By humbling yourself and acknowledging You are desperate, and only God can meet your need. Pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you have in your hand right now a glass of living water. We're so thankful for your son, Jesus, who came into this world that he is the exact representation of you. And when we see him, when we hear him, when we know him, we see and know and hear you. We're thankful for the price he has paid that we might receive from your hand living water. Lord, we admit today our need that the world is beyond our capacity to control and all of us, no matter who we are, will have moments of desperation where we can only rely on you. Right now, Lord, by faith, we accept that glass of water, that you will fill us, that you'll refresh us and give us life. However our bodies crave food and water, Lord, our hearts even more crave you. Meet us, Lord. Quench our thirst. And fill us up, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. It's just the beginning. The reach out of God's hand for that living water of Christ. It's just a starting place. But if you want to know more, give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day and seven days a week, we're by the phone. We want desperately to hear from you. You know what, Obadiah, sometimes people don't like to call up. Uh, For whatever reason, they prefer to communicate a little differently. Maybe go online. What's our web address? cbhviewpoint.org. CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are. cbhviewpoint.org. Check us out online. You can read about the ministry there, but also you can send us an email. We'll be glad. We'll be sure to reply. Or at the last... If you don't want to call us up, don't want to go online, send me a letter. Just address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, 
Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you pick up a phone, get online, or use the Postal Service, please, let us hear from you this week. Soul music, Obadiah, it's the stuff of the ages, and especially when you talk about the Psalms. Thanks for coming alongside. Glad to be back again, Jim. And we're so thankful that you tuned in as well. We hope you'll join us again next week. And for all of us at the Viewpoint team, and for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon saying be encouraged and stay tuned.